0: Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff a quick note before the show begins the audio from these podcasts mostly come from live video YouTube streams on my channel They may vary in quality from show to show and reference visual content not described to you the listener I'm sorry about that If you prefer video to go with this audio head over to youtube.com backslash from us F-r-u-m-e-s-s for the whole enchilada who doesn't like a whole enchilada anyway? Do sacred love. Do sacred love. Baby, baby, baby. Welcome to tonight's stream. We're on a roll. Is this? I don't know how many days in a row this is. But we never stop. We never stop streaming. That should be put on a t-shirt. That should be the new motto. Never stop streaming. We try. We try our best. Let's uh let's dive right into it, shall we? Freaking HR from the bad brains. We're talking about the bad brains. Was it last night? Yeah, it was last night. And a Facebook memory reminded me of a great article that was it's a story that's been covered before if you've seen banned in dc the bad brains documentary that's right amy i against i it's the same story no fight no glory i against i against i against i against who oh that's not how it goes <laughs> um no we were talking about hr we were talking about the Bad Brains yesterday. We were talking about Bandon, D.C. I'm in Bandon, D.C. You can see me for a split second because I saw the Bad Brains on a boat. I posted a screenshot of a, a very young me, a 21-year-old me with long, dark hair, getting on a boat to go see the Bad Brains with HR. It was a great show. It wasn't as exciting as the show where I got the crap kicked out of me in the mosh pit at CBGB's, but it was still a fantastic show was glad to have seen it the second and final time that I saw the bad brains. I love the bad brains. HR is an amazing human being. Uh, He's an amazing front front man. And yes, he has fallen off. And yes, um, you know, the bad brains, uh, they've had some controversy. Let's put it that way. I don't I don't know what is um, some of it is. I, I don't know what is fact and what is not. A lot has been said about them over the years and some of their beliefs, their their intolerant beliefs. But we're putting that on the shelf. We're not here to talk about controversy. We're here to talk about and revel in how amazing the bad brains are. And they are truly amazing. Uh, a, A synergy, a chemistry. You know, we talk about musicians a lot. We talk we've talked about chemistry in the past. How important chemistry is to a band look no further than a band like the bad brains, even when they don't want to work together, record together, they still find themselves in a room jamming out because of the chemistry. It's the same thing with the Cro-Mags, right? Those guys, you know, don't like each other. And yet for many years, at least up until the year 2000, that was like the last real time, You know, uh, Paris, um, who I who I've had on the show here before, uh, Paris, who I know, and Harley, who I don't know. um, You know, I've always found a way to work together despite their differences because of their musical chemistry. So, musical chemistry—it's just this thing—and you can have it with someone, and it doesn't matter whether you like that person or hate that person. If you have that musical chemistry together, and you're an artist, and you need to create, you have to like. You, you have to submit, you have to kneel, you have to um, give in to the chemistry in order to create the art. And nothing truer could be said for the bad brains, Paul Hudson, a.k.a. HR, Dr. No, Daryl Jennifer, and Earl Hudson, the drummer. And there's just, there's nobody quite like the bad brains, truthfully. They are... They're, they're just like, they're, they're almost like an anomaly. They started off, you know, kind of playing, um, jazz, I believe like kind of like jazz music and, you know, doing, I think doing some hard rock. And then they heard, they heard the pistols and they heard the Ramones and suddenly, you know, and they were really good at their instruments. So what they, 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 they supercharged what they were doing. And I believe they used to be called mind power. But then they took the name. Bad Brains comes from a Ramones song. If you if you uh, listen to Road to Ruin, one of the great Ramones albums, probably for many the last truly great, flawless Ramones album, top to bottom. If you're a diehard fan, you'll say, "Oh no!" You know you could go on and on into the Ramones discography. But if you're a casual fan, I would say the last, like you'll probably say oh yeah yeah yeah. their last great album was road to ruin or maybe if you're a little bit further in you'll say uh too tough to die a lot of people think too tough to die was the last great ramones record i like i i'll go all the way up until audio adios amigos i love um what's that song uh the crusher is a great song that's on their final their final album but it's funny (laughs) dd actually recorded that for his rap album when he was dd king Funny to think that the crusher was meant to be a hip hop rap song. Uh, it's that, just another great example of, you know, being one thing and then trying to do something else. Like, like D.D. Ramone, who lives and breathes everything punk rock and, you know, is this incredible songwriter. He <laughs> he like he tried to write up a hip hop rap song and came out with the crusher. (laughs) Like that's that sort of thing. It's pretty funny in the same way that, you know, the Ramones themselves were kind of trying to write beach boys songs and end up with the Ramones music. I don't know how we got on that tangent. Oh yes. Because there's a song called bad brain on road to ruin. It's a great track. One of my favorite tracks. And that's where the bad brains get their name. And they started off in DC um, they wrote a song called band in DC, which was about their kind of experience sort of being, um, blacklisted in the DC scene. And they went up to New York, uh, where they were, that's where they recorded the roar cassette self self-titled, excuse me, Seltzer, the roar cassette, which is a flawless masterpiece. And then they recorded eye against eye, which is the follow-up. They had a bunch of other recordings in between there. And I think that all got put out as black dots or whatever. Yeah, his raps, "Funky Man," was another one of Dee uh, Dee King's raps. We should talk about Dee King someday. What's going on, Eddie? How you doing? Um, oh no, oh no, oh crap! Hope I didn't lose you. Hope I didn't lose you there. Hello, hello. Do you see me, Tommy? Can you read me? Let's just double check that we are still intact here. I think we. I think we are. I think we're still. We're still cooking. We'll find out in two point one seconds here. So annoying when that happens. So, all right, yeah, I think we're good. So the the bad brains they put out the the roar cassette, and that is just that is just thank you, Steve. Thank you. We are still live. Um, the the roar cassette is just like a, a absolutely uh, a phenomenal masterpiece. You know, all all their great songs. You know, you have uh, pay to cum on there. You have fearless vampire killers, aka FVK. You have, you know, um, I. You have I love jaw destroy Babylon. I mean, just classic cut after classic cut, cl- cut after classic cut. They're all all phenomenal. Sailing on sailing on just great way to open the album band in DC is on there of course as well and um you know the thing that's amazing about the bad brains is not only are they doing not only are they doing um this incredibly just like raw you know energy soaked hardcore punk rock music but then they They're they're a dynamic band. They they go from doing hardcore punk to doing reggae and dub. And they go back and forth, back and forth. And that was one of the main tenets. You know, that's what, you know, we talked about some lime on this channel before. That's what Bradley, Noel, and those guys, they all keyed in on that. They keyed in on like the wow. You know, then they took ska. They took the bad, what the bad brains were doing. what the Bad Brains were doing were on opposite ends of the spectrum. And Sublime, they take ska music and sort of insert it in the middle. But you really, you know, here I am giving Sublime that credit, and you really have to give that credit to Fishbone. Fishbone is another revolutionary band. And here's the thing. These guys are black, okay? And why does that matter? It it does matter in the sense that you don't see – black guys typically making music like this when i first heard the bad brains the very first bad brain song i ever heard at the age of 15 years old was fearless vampire killers and when i listened to that song which by the way just absolutely like blew me away it kind of reminded me of like it painted it was a song that really painted a picture in my head of what i was kind of seeing you know like just this this like i just i don't know i i painted like sometimes when i listen to songs like i could sort of like write a story in my head as i listen to the song and the song the the story that i'd written in my head when i was listening to fearless vampire killers was just this well it was about a fearless vampire killer of course but just like this grand entrance into the, the the coven the cave of the vampires i don't know something like that that's not what the song is about fearless vampire killers is sort of like an allegory for you know uh corporate scum I guess something like that you know uh we don't need your filthy money we just want to end your world that music just like froths up inside of me makes me want to go crazy in any case when I heard fearless vampire killers I thought I was listening to just a bunch of like you know skinny angry white guys that's what it sounded like to me so when I first saw a picture of the bad brains I was like it just it just blew my mind and my 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 little 15 year old brain could not process that this was music um being made i didn't know people that looked like that could make music like that you know at that at, at that young age so it was like it was such like a a a beautiful awakening for me to like sort of like um discover this band and instantaneously fall in love with them after that at the same time at the same time that's when i'm first discovering fishbone and these two these two bands that sort of you know the first fishbone song and and why why am i bringing up fishbone because fishbone is kind of like they're they're doing something similar they're 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 doing more ska but they're also kind of doing they're 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 more ska than they are reggae like the bad brains are more reggae they're more ska and they don't really their song they have a lot of horns the bad brains don't really have horns in um the Bad Brains don't really have horns in 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 their music at all. I don't think there's any horns in Bad Brains music. But there's, you know, there's plenty of horn music. I mean, Dirty Walt, he he plays the the trumpet. If you ever get a chance to see Fishbone live, that is a show like those guys at their age, they've been going since 1979, those without, without breaking. They ne- never broken up, you know, um Angelo, who I've gotten to meet several times. And uh, Norwood, they've, they've kept that band going. It's pretty amazing. In any case, I feel like it's, I'd be, it'd be wrong to give, like, I don't want to give bad brains all this credit for sort of, um, you know, not, you know, typically we don't think, we, we don't see people of color making music like that. And it's just, it's so cool to sort of, you know, see not only that, but how they incorporate other music into that punk rock i.e. the reggae or in the case of fishbone they do it with ska and then sublime white boys then those guys they came in and they perfected they like sort of married it together even further where the ska is like the the switch and a lot of people don't like sublime but if you can see the musical genius of sublime you could see like the switch what am i talking about like here's reggae Sorry. Here, wait. You can see this is hard to do on my screen. So here's hardcore punk. Here is reggae, and then in the middle is ska. That's used to to, to flow into the hardcore punk or flow into the reggae, and then underneath all that is hip hop. And it's just it's like all these l. Ele- it's just all these amazing elements, and that all comes from stuff like the Bad Brains and Fishbone. Um. So, yeah, and the bad and the bad brains, they've they've come and they've gone. They've had a bunch of different lineups. They're incredibly dysfunctional. HR has had a, you know, um, he's had a he's sort of erratic and, you know, he's he's had his struggles with uh, substance abuse and it's definitely affected the band in many ways. They've had to replace HR several times with other singers. They had this guy, I, Joseph, Israel, Joseph for a while he was he he sang on an album in the 90s and um there was an original um instrumentalist amy mentioned sid mccray but he's like i mean he doesn't appear on anything and he's he's like he was he was there before before they really became the bad brains they were i don't even think they were called the bad brains when sid McRae sid mccray was in the band it's when hr comes into the band and you know hr is earl's brother earl the drummer and that's his into the band um that's when the bad brains really that's when they take off that's like 1978 maybe 79 you know um eddie says there's a track from their live show in germany in 83 at the loft i've seen it i've seen it and at the 24-minute mark, I've never heard in my life. It's super bad. Does anyone know what it is? I don't know about the 24-minute mark, but I've definitely seen that that show. And you can see HR at the end. He picks up of a guitar, and they just start playing reggae music. It's really freaking cool. And I'm so glad that Mr. Bark likes the Bad Brains as well. A band out of Detroit named Death played even earlier, mid-60s. They played in... From they played in 1973. We've talked about death on here before. And you know, I feel like I don't I don't know. I don't want to get into all that. I don't want to take anything away from death, but you know, the bad brains deserve to be in the rock and roll hall of fame for their influential contributions to the genre. I would say death does not personally. Um, yes, HR did have many, many demons. Uh, and yeah, the documentary is on YouTube and I am in the documentary. I'm going to keep saying that over and over. I was shocked. You don't understand. I, I was watching it on Hulu when it first came out, I think in 2013, 2014. And I was just shocked. As soon as I saw the boat in New York City, I was like, oh, my God, that's the show I was at. And I just couldn't believe that I was in, in it even just for a single shot. It was still really surreal and cool to see that. And uh, a point to pride that I don't talk about enough on here. And I'm very proud of that. So um, <laughs> I just got done listening to their one of their lives that was released in 91, 31 years ago. How crazy to one of their lives. Got it. Yeah. Um, they do have a live album that was produced by Rick from the cars called Rock for Light. It's pretty good. Um yeah, I, I did a post for anybody who wants to see the screen, I, I I found the exact time mark. so you'll you'll see me with really long hair at twenty one years old on the boat. It's cool. <laughs> um, in any case, we're here to talk about a very specific legend that um, that they cover in the documentary because uh, because you know, we're we've sort of been all over the place. As we talk about the bad brains and who they were and and why they were so great. And they were so we, the one thing we didn't say was how influential they are, you know, HR taking Henry Rollins aside and saying, you should be a lead singer. And then putting Henry in front of a microphone and doing, uh, four bad brain songs while HR just like watched him do, do it, that kind of thing. Or, you know, I mean, they just were when they touched down in New York City, that's what really ushered in New York hardcore. I think, you know, you had some form of hardcore music in the stimulators and the mad and the misfits and kraut and all that stuff. But then, when the bad brains come in, I mean, that really just sort of explodes everything. You have the nihilistics, you have the undead, you have even worse. You have the Chromags. mags, of course, they come a lot later. Um, but all, I feel like all of that really ignites, like really explode. Heart attack is another one. Uh, shrapnel. The, the, all of that stuff really explodes when the bad brains invade New York, which I think is in the year 1980, which makes sense because then hardcore got really big from like 80 to or really 81 to 84, right? 80, 83, 84 is the sort of the downward, the 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 decline of of things. Um, but you know, HR as we said, he was erratic and, you know, had substance abuse problems and he, yes, I love that. I love that HR is the punk version of James Brown. Hell yes. I could not agree more. Um, Bad, but in any case, the, you know, and the thing was what would always happen is, you know, HR would like, you know, mess up or get kicked out of the band or leave the band or something would happen with the band. And then they would like need to like record. And then like HR would show up again and they would be recording and that happened with Voyage, um, the Voyage album, Voyage into Affinity. Is that the name of the album? Uh, that happened there. They had all that music written and HR, they were gonna record it with somebody else, and then HR found his way back into the band and they went into the studio and he laid down his vocals. He wasn't supposed to be on that album. Uh happened again with the album with um with I uh with I Joseph. Not I Joseph, um Israel, Israel J. I don't know, the other guy. He is he's like a bolt of lightning. It's just like on the roar cassette, you know, and that's the thing. Like you've never seen you just got to look it up on YouTube. I mean, to see the type of energy that this dude like brings out, he's just like, I mean, he's doing backflips on stage, literally doing actual backflips. And that's where, you know, you look at uh, John Joseph from the Cro-Mags. Yeah, thank you. Uh, quickness. Right, 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 right. Now, Voyage into the Infinity was a track. The album was called with the quickness or quickness, um, which is a more them moving in a more metal sort of direction. I believe that's their third album. Um, But you look at John Joseph from the cro all of his swagger, all of his drip, that's all HR. That all comes from HR. And he used to roadie for HR. And we talked about on the previous stream, literally, the first time I saw the Bad Brains at CBGBs, it was John Joseph singing. It was billed as the Bad Brains. And it was John Joseph singing, and I got the the tar beat out of me in the mosh pit. I split open both of my elbows when I stage dived. Um, Skinny, skinny young guy just getting thralled pretty bad. Um, But the show, you know, uh, as I said, John Joseph, he had soaked up all of HR's swagger or at least attempted to. And so he was, that's what he was outputting. And so that to me felt way more like the energy that I would have gotten at an early CBGB show, because when I did see them on the boat, that was after HR was back in the band and people were starting to, as you'll see in that documentary, that band in DC documentary, people getting really uh, angry with HR. You know, he was like on this like anti-violence kick. I've met HR three times, twice and both times that i like briefly spoke with him it was really weird one time he was it was was on the boat and i i was actually asking him about i was asking him about sublime because sublime had backed him up he has a great solo album called charge you should check it out or is it rasta it's either called rasta or it's called no rasta's the name of the track charge and there's a song called shame in the game on there really great that was a solo album from 1991 and it's really it's like a masterpiece and it's not it doesn't sound the bad brains it's reggae but um a little bit more funky and poppy i would say than like straight traditional reggae or whatever um but yes as angus says he just he had he had so much energy he's like a ferocious badger or wolverine there's that bad brains live in 82 you just see hr the crowd is like an ocean a violent ocean of people crashing up against the stage and hr is just right there in their face pushing back you can you can by watching that video you can smell the funk and the sweat that must have been in that i mean i've been in that room i know how hot i mean it can get so it gets so crazy in there you know, um, you can you could just feel the atmosphere. And to watch him do these backflips is just insane. He just does them out of nowhere. He really is, and and what I said in the description of this video is that HR, he like he, you know, Iggy Pop invented the game as the crazy sort of ultimate frontman. And he's still the ultimate frontman because he's still going, he's undisputed. You know, I was talking on the stream the other day about how I saw I was talking with Joe, Joe truck from the brain eaters, how I saw Iggy in 2016 and Iggy in 2016 at the age of 69 years old was still stage diving, you know, Uh, just unbelievable. But the thing about HR was HR took everything that Iggy pop was doing, took all of his energy and just turned it up to the max and he's really kind of, you know, an irreplaceable front man. Yes, I, enjoy, I had a better time seeing John Joseph fronting the bad brains than I did HR. But that was HR, you know, way past his prime, like, it, like very much not who he was, like, you know, in 82. And. Like. Like HR in his in his prime, there's just like there's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. You just watch those videos and you can just you're just in awe of this dude and what he is doing. And you know, I was trying to think too. I was like, who could replace HR? He's irreplaceable. But if you had to have someone in his place doing his own thing, uh, you would get Angelo Moore from the Fishbone dude, Angelo Moore could totally front the bad brains and do bad brain songs. Angela Moore is insane. And, you know, I, I take that back. We all, we were just talking about that, that, that uh, HR is, is the um, James Brown of, of punk rock. I disagree. It's, it's actually, it's, it's Angelo Moore. Angelo Moore is literally channels James Brown in the best way ever. And he does it with a Thurman too. He's got these, like Doctor Mad vibes. I saw I saw a fishbone on a boat as well. Loudest concert I've ever been in my life. The ceiling was really low, and we just got blasted with the music. It was, it was nuts. It it, it was absolutely nuts. So here we go. Let's let's read about this legend now. We've been talking a long time about how great HR is. We know we've we've established. The phenomena that is HR and just his insane amount of energy. And again, if you haven't heard it, just go listen to to <laughs> HR is like the Ike Turner of Hardcore. I think that might be <laughs> that might be more accurate. Yeah, dude. Angelo Moore, and he has these these they've shared bills with black uh with uh bad brains, and I definitely think that I mean they performed at the Afro Fest, they performed together. Like that, they, they definitely um they could do some stuff. In any case, when I against I was being recorded, HR found himself in jail. And this is the story about how HR recorded his vocals for Sacred Love. You ever listen to Sacred Love? It's unbelievable. Um <laughs> All right, let's let's go to the article. Here we have a we have a little article. This is from I I don't know what this is Clairvoyant without the vowels. That's the name of this link is in the description. Uh this is by Howie Abrams and it's published on January 10th, 2017. How HR from the Bad Brains recorded Sacred Love from Jail. One of the missions I took in putting together finding Joseph I an oral history of HR from the Bad Brains. By the way, that is not just a book. That's also a documentary. There is an HR documentary, which I have not seen yet, um, separate from the band in DC film called Finding Joseph I. So there's a book to go with it. And it's an oral history of HR from Bad Brains. If you don't know what an oral history is, probably the most famous one is this book right here, PKM, uh, which is an oral history of punk rock, uh, mainly exploring punk rock via you know uh, new york city into like everywhere else um they don't really touch on the west coast stuff for that you need we inherited the neutron bomb i have seen i have seen about him singing sacred love in the documentary on youtube that's banned in dc um is that why h yes that is why hr's voice sounds covered in sacred love the reason why his voice is so distorted is because he's singing it through a telephone receiver. But we'll get to that in a moment, okay? Um, So he says, one of the missions I took in putting together Finding Joseph I, an oral history of HR from the Bad Brains, was sorting through the countless myths and rumors about Bad Brains in, 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 in intimidable. I think that's what it, in, 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 I don't know this word inimitable inimitable all right guys we got to look it up damn it okay that is a word inimitable means so good or unusual as to be impossible to copy absolutely accurate absolutely accurate um about hr jd i i am sure i know why people don't like hr we are we are not here to discuss the controversy but there is controversy people there is and if you want to know more about it go go look it up it actually surrounds a song off of uh, quickness um as well as what happened in texas but again we're not talking about that right now we're we're we're, we're talking about the legend of recording from jail quite po- um blah, 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 blah. The lead singer, Paul H.R. Hudson, as well as the band itself. I wish to confirm or disprove them so that fans everywhere, myself among them, would have answers to their numerous questions. Some closure, perhaps. Quite possibly the most intriguing story was that H.R. singing Sacred Love, called from the Brain's groundbreaking second album, "I Against I," which is also a phenomenal, phenomenal album over the phone from Lorton reformatory due to his incarceration for marijuana possession sometime before the recording of the LP. Did he actually perform the vocals while in the clink? Did producer Ron St. Germain simply add effects to his vocals to make it sound as if he sang it from jail? Was it true that his blood brother and bad brains drummer, Earl Hudson was in there with him? The answer is yes. (laughs) Inquiring minds want to know. And here's how that discovery process played out. Look at him. Earl Hudson. So now this is going to read like an oral history. So we're going to have to switch off. This is different people's testimony. So this is Earl Hudson. Human rights. That's what HR stands for. He's also HR's brother. And the drummer of the Bad Brains, Earl Hudson, says it was 1986. We were we was hustling, man, trying to eat food. You know, you can't play music and work at damn Walmart. You got to do something. So yeah, you get caught up sometimes. We were getting ready to go on tour, beginning in Providence, Rhode Island. So I went to pick HR up. He put on some runnings. He put some runnings under the seat, and I don't know. I think somebody I don't know what runnings means. I guess that has to do with weed or something. I think somebody busted in on us or whatever, because we came to a red light and all of a sudden the lights of a police car came on and they went right under his seat. It was my car, so that's why I had to go to jail. But he primarily caught the beef for that for that because it was under the seat he was sitting on. We were in D.C. jail together, and that's when we were pretty much finishing up the Eye Against Eye album. They wanted him to finish up the vocals on Sacred Love. So somehow or another, it got hooked up and recorded. My dad was a correctional officer. He was a captain, and two of his sons are in jail. I did not know that. I did not know his dad was a correctional officer. He never came to see us because my dad's a former soldier, and he don't play that ish. But he'd have his friend in in there bring me some cigarettes and he must have something or other to do with H- with recording hr in jail let me take that last line again but he'd have his friend in there bringing me some cigarettes and he must have had something or other to do with recording hr in jail um that's interesting because i i always okay and I, let's let's just keep reading hr says some dudes, was telling me, some dudes were telling me once that by smoking herb and selling herb, it would be a one-way ticket to the big time. Well, it was my ticket to one of the deadliest places you could think of, and it was called D.C. Jail. I had been selling a few bags, and I called my brother to come pick me up. One night, they pulled us over, and there was a whole bunch of marijuana and teeny bags. It wasn't a picnic in there, and there wasn't much to do except sit there and wait until your time is up. Anthony County, he's in the documentary, this guy. And he's been there with the Bad Brains for a long time, long time Bad Brains manager. I don't know if I County. I guess that's how you pronounce his last name. H.R. was an orderly in there. He got to clean up after lunch or something like that. He told me that the mess hall was not connected to the rest of the place. There was a phone in there. And based on the layout, nobody would be able to hear him and they wouldn't be able to see what was going on. So he could sing this song in there over the phone. Uh, Ron St. Germain, producer of the Bad Brains, Eye Against Eye. So this is such a crazy story, dude. I have been doing a lot of work up in North Brookfield, Massachusetts at Longview since the 70s. Just a great place to take the band Where you got them out of their environment. I remember HR walked into the studio. He was kind of floating. He said, I have arrived. I have arrived. It was really, it was a really impressive place, a 150 year old farm on 90 acres, just beautiful. We set up the sounds there and I said, just give me two full takes all the way down, all the way through uh, of everything we got. They finish up and HR tells me, man, we got to get these vocals because I got to go to jail tomorrow. And then uh, what now you're telling me Uh, that's why we had to do. That's why we had to do what we had to do with sacred love. He only had time to get a couple of takes because he had somebody coming to get him. So they were recording eye against eye. They were recording in a studio. They didn't have uh, they had a finite amount of time. And they and HR, as they're finishing up, HR goes, we got to we got we to gotta, um, get these vocals because I'm going to jail. I got to serve my time. Um, so he only had time to get a couple of takes because he had someone coming to get him. And here it was one o'clock and we still got the vocals to do. He just railed it down and we got everything done except sacred love. So when he's saying we got to do these vocals because I got to go to jail tomorrow, they got to do vocals for the whole album. It's not just Sacred Love because you'd imagine that they'd have time to just do one song. So they did everything but Sacred Love. So he's in the DC lockup and it was kind of a communal effort between the guys in the band and the band's manager, Anthony. We got it set up where he could call me on a specific day and time and he would be able to sing this song (laughs) over the phone to New York isn't that insane? That like that. Well, that's so mind-boggling. I booked a studio right below Studio Fifty Four called Soundworks, which was kind of the Steely Dan haunt. I knew the tech there, and he hooked me up there. We were supposed to have a direct patch from the phone into the tape, and I got there, and it didn't work. Of course, I was freaking out, so I improvised and did what we did in the old days, which was I took another phone and put it in the studio and it had an oral tone monitor. It's like a small cube, five or six inch cube speaker. We taped that to the speaker portion of one of the analog telephones and put a sound blanket around it. Uh, There was another phone in the studio that the band could actually speak to HR through while we were screwing around in the control room. On the phone, we had a microphone taped to the portion um, that you could listen with. So it was real ghetto. My God. <laughs> so crazy. What's up, Walter White? How you doing? Walter White from New Zealand, everybody. Um, that is nuts. HR. I picked up the phone and called the operator and asked if I could make a collect call. Thank goodness someone was there on the other end to receive it. Ron was there, picked up the call and began to play the music back. And they asked me if I would, to the best of my ability, give them some vocals. And that's what I did over the phone. They recorded it and put it down on the record. I found it rather bizarre, but it wasn't my idea. It was Ron's idea. Let's break this down, everybody, for a second. It's not just like, here's the phone, just sing the song into the phone. He's got to be able to hear the track so that he could sing along to the track to make sure he's singing in sync, right? Like that's the whole point of what he's supposed to be doing. So that's why they attach the cube speaker onto the, 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 the earpiece. And basically they're doing playback through the phone. So he's going sacred love, sacred love. Like he's doing the thing through, it's just insane. And then they're recording it on the other end. I I just, and you know, it's so cool about that stuff. Like, you know, part of the magic of recording and I don't, you know, I do, I do a lot of audio recording. I do some for, you know, my little music experiments that I like to do, but I also do location sound recording. I do all sorts of stuff. And, you know, there are so many things that affect the way you capture a sound. It's the microphone you're using. It's the space you're in. You know, what kind of noise is in the air? What kind of wires are connecting your, you know, is, you know, is your cable balanced? Is it unbalanced? What are, you know, the the the, the uh, preamps that are picking up the electronic signal? You know, all there's so many different factors and this is analog. So this is even that's different from this. But there's so many different factors that contribute to how a sound like is baked together when you're recording it, you know. Um I mean, you look at like all the stuff that the Beatles were doing. I mean, any any band. Like you know the way that you might record like for instance when you're miking if you're miking uh, a drum kit and or no. Well, okay, if you're miking a guitar and you have two microphones and one of the mics is Directly pressed against the amplifier And the other one is away from the amplifier Like just sort of capturing They they say, they call it capturing the room I'm Trying to get all these different Like, like, fidelities of the sound To get a particular tone Or sound You know, that kind of thing Um And so the fact that they Recorded this over a phone not only gives the track just this unique feel, but it just makes the track that much cooler to a know that he's recording this from jail, you know, just the circumstances of, of DIY, do it yourself, you know, DIY or die. St. Germain says the whole call was less than two hours. So they, so that's crazy. Cause I thought the call was like, like a, you know, whatever, like a three minute call, like the length of the track, the call was longer than that it was two hours instead do you know how expensive that collect call must have been it wasn't cheap they had to you know do it, it was probably very expensive to get this done the whole call was less than two hours instead of calling from a payphone he actually called in from a guy's office a guard or something the guy thought hey this is pretty cool This guy is going to sing over the phone from jail. And he left him alone in there. Okay, so maybe it wasn't a collect call. I don't know. This whole thing came about because necessity is the mother of invention. Hell yeah, dude. It's not only the mother. And the what is the mother of invention? Creativity, man. Creativity is that mother. You know, if I, you know, I don't think of myself as a religious person. I'm not. I'm definitely a spiritual person, but if I had to, if you asked me, Jeff, what is your religion? Do you have a religion? My religion is creativity, man. That's my religion. You know the 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 processes of creating things, whether it's creating a podcast, just talking to you guys, or writing a, a little tweet, writing a tweet on Twitter and sending it out into the world, or making a little audio recording or doing a little doodle or doing a little sculpture or or shooting a film, you know, I, I, I love, I mean, that is my, you know, mama jam creation. And it's just, you know, hearing about, you know, how necessity is the mother of invention. It just, it just, it gets me so high to think about that. Um, This is interesting Angus says jails now have uh, phone time limits. They would have to record within 10 minutes these days. That's crazy. Well, this was a special phone, I guess. It's not exactly like the, um, the other phones. Mark says, I found you about a week ago. Show is very cool. Still a Misfits fan to my older age. That's awesome, Mark. I'm really glad that you like the show. Um, th- and thank you for joining us, man. Thank you for joining in the live, live conversation. Um, back in the 70s, producers were technically, were technically staff for the record companies for the most part. This there was this real separation between church and state, so to speak, and they would call into the engineer. How are you guys doing? Let me listen. Hold the phone to the speakers and play it. So we would hit mono and put it up and play it for them. I love what you kids are doing. Get me a cheeseburger and a Rolling Stone magazine, and I'll see you in a couple hours, that kind of thing. So the techs eventually came up with a patch where we could take the mono bus off the council console and literally patch it into the telephone line so it sounded normal. So there is a precedent for what how they recorded HR in jail. And it comes from the way that you know a record company would check in on, on, on a producer in a recording studio. That's so crazy. The techs eventually came up with a patch where a patch, meaning like, you know, to patch in uh, to, to, uh, the connection. We could take the monobus mono bus off the console and literally patch it into the telephone line so it sounded normal. It's so insane. I was like, you're spending all this money for a studio, way more than we're getting for studios today. Why do you want to listen over a phone as if you're in an elevator or hold holding for a doctor's office or something? Anyway, That's how the whole idea to record him via phone came about, came about to begin with. You just improvise. Now the kicker is HR always traveled with his Bible. And those first couple of pages of the book uh, were really thin, kind of like onion skin. He always cleaned his herb on the first page of the Bible because it wouldn't mess up anything. They actually let him have it in jail. I could hear through the phone that he was smoking something. I said, what are you doing, man? He says, I'm sparking one. I said, huh? He said, yeah, he actually ripped the page with all the weed resin out on it, out of the Bible and rolled it up and sparked it. There had to be so much resin on it that he got a buzz. He's in the slammer for pot and he's smoking his Bible. <laughs> I love it. And there, you know, when i was i mean when i was 15 i kind of did the same thing i would i had this little red one hitter back when i smoked pot and what i would do is you know when it got nice and gunked up i'd take a paper clip and i would you know um i would i would uh try and get as much resin onto the, the the rolling paper as possible and then smoke the rolling paper to try and get high and it 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 was not very, you know, you have to kind of cook, you have to heat resin. So, you know, uh, rolling paper was not very, it wasn't very, um, effective, you know? Um, and I'm now sober. I don't do those things anymore, but I do know a little something about that. So I found that interesting. It was amazing. He also, it is, it's crazy. He was smoking his Bible. Um, he also finished the lyrics to the song in there and the lyrics, the experience of him being in there made him actually complete the song. The whole thing went down. There's a tape of that whole thing somewhere because I had a room mic in the control room and there was one out in the studio. So it's somewhere that's crazy. So there is, there's a, there, there's a recording, a full recording of HR sort of, working working out the song or completing the song that part of the creative process was also documented but apparently he's never been able to find it again it's a shame because it's a real piece of musical history oh wouldn't that be perfect for youtube man uh it's a great story at the time we were talking to the letterman show and a couple other shows and they didn't even believe us in all my travels around the world even though that record never ever went gold anywhere i go on uh blah, take that again in all of my travels around the world even though that record never even went gold anywhere i go on the planet people come up to me and oh, oh and say oh my god i against i changed my life there is no record that i have done in 40 plus years that gets that kind of reaction once in a while aretha franklin whitney houston whoever, but nothing gets that kind of passion. You know, there's one Mick Jagger and there's one Bob Dylan, and there's only one HR. Why do some bands explode and become Led Zeppelin's of the world and others don't? He had the potential, but there's a lot of things that need to happen besides just having the talent and the ability. Uh, all excerpts are taken from Joseph finding Joseph I and oral history of HR from the bad brains. Uh, go seek out the book or the documentary and rent it or buy it if you can. And, you know, this last line really does stick, stick with me or make sense. He says, why do some bands explode and become the Led Zeppelins of the world and others don't Uh, HR had the potential, but there are, and this is true, man, HR had the potential, he had the talent, but there's a lot of other things that need to happen besides just having the talent and the ability. And while, you know, having um, a, a really cool legendary story like this being true, like recording the the lyrics to Sacred Love from jail, like, like you know, like while it's like a really cool story, it's not like, you know, at the same time, like successful bands, like they, they're not, you know, their lead singers aren't in jail. You know, they're just, they're out there grinding. I don't know. I mean, that's not true. That's not true either. I mean, look at, I don't know. There's a lot of people that they, they have, they have a lot of talent, but they're just, they're also mess ups, screw ups, that kind of thing. Um, here's one additional story um, about sacred love and why I'm reading this. Uh, it's from my own personal history. Before we get there, let's, let's go to our sponsors really quick and then we'll, we'll tell the story and we'll go to some comments and we'll, we'll wrap it up. Um do you guys, for anybody who needs stickers, we are powered by RiotStickers.com, as you can see right here. Go down in the description of this video. You will find a link. Click on that link and put in the promo code from us, F-R-U-M-E-S-S, and you will get 50% off 53-inch by 3-inch stickers, vinyl stickers at RiotStickers.com. They really are the best, you guys. I've I've done business with Riot Stickers. A lot of my friends have done business with Riot Stickers uh we're we're proud to consider have them be our sponsor on this show and you're not going to find a better deal it's normally $59 but for you you can get it for $29.50 you're just not going to find a better deal than that so go check out riotstickers.com riotstickers we are the bomb riotstickers.com riotstickers we are bomb we're going to play a little video and then I'm going to tell my little story about how I was inspired by sacred love Speaking of Riot Stickers, there there he is. There they are. Check out RiotStickers.com, everybody. Okay, here's my quick story. And then we will go to, um, we, we will wrap this up. We'll go to some comments and wrap this up. Um, I made a feature-length film called Romeo's Distress, micro-budget feature, uh, which, by the way, is playing at the Alamo Draft House in Winchester, Virginia. I'm going to be there. Uh, so if you're in the Winchester, Virginia area, you should come. There's going to be a bunch of films. It's going to be a real meeting of the minds at the Genre Blast Film Festival, Alamo Drafthouse. I'll be I'll be pumping that a little bit more. That's in in late February. Uh, I never thought, never thought that I would have a film playing at the Alamo Drafthouse. It's pretty cool. I've had shorts play at the Alamo Drafthouse, but my feature length film, um, that's that's I'm I'm stoked about it. In any case when I was making that film, we, you know, I made it on a micro budget. I was working as a waiter at the time and I was funding that movie with the money that I was making for my tips. That's how I made the film. And it took a long time. It took many, many, many months, it took over a year. It took about 18 months to make that film. We, we shot 23 days in 18 months. You know, every time I got enough money, we would do another shooting day, that kind of thing. In Towards the end, we we had a problem. One of my actors was becoming uh, SAG. And that presented a big problem. Because when you become SAG, when you become uh, a a union actor, you you can't be involved in non-union productions. And my production was a non-union production. Although, he was okay because he had already been shooting he started the production non-union and i believe the rules allowed him to continue the film he was worried about it understandably so we had to shoot him out as fast as possible because he was he was i, I mean it was it was okay because he started the film non-union therefore it wouldn't if he shot one more day technically being in the union what, what was anybody going to know what you know no one would have been the wiser so we finished the, the, our last day of shooting with the actor. It was great. He, everything worked out. Um, we we had wrapped up, but there was a problem. It was a marathon shooting day. We shot, you know, 16 hours and, and we shot, you know, 12, 12 pages. I mean, just really crazy to shoot 12. You ever try shooting 12 pages? It's, you know, supposed to be A minute per page it was even more like we shot a a huge chunk of the movie in that one it was it helped that the pretty much the whole whole you know action the whole scene it was one long sort of um uh climaxing scene and it took place in a garage so you know it wasn't like we had to move and do a lot of different setups that 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 was helpful so we 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 finished the day he he leaves and I'm cutting the film together. And I realized that we never recorded some of his voice. We needed to record some voiceover dialogue. We needed some lines for a scene. His introductory scene is over the phone, over the telephone. And I'm, I'm just like, bu- I'm so bummed. Cause I'm like, I, what am I going to do? I got to get this guy back. And he, you know, he's, super uncomfortable because of the sag and stuff that sort of thing just a real just a real friggin bummer um and that's when my um my partner on the film he had a, a great idea that exactly what exactly the story of sacred love basically because we needed him to you know record his part of a phone conversation we figured why not literally record the thing over the phone and that's what happened so i set up a mic just like this one similar to this i set it up in the closet of my apartment at the time and i had the actor call me over the phone he was he was willing to do it and i put the i put the the the, the receiver right here and we did all of his lines of dialogue in the closet over the phone because it was going to be a phone call anyway so instead of putting the notch filters because what you do is in order to you can any any sort of like even though i sound really nice on this microphone if you wanted to make it sound like it was a phone like a phone call like my, like a telephone you would use some notch filters to to remove some of the 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 frequencies in my voice so it would sound more tinny so it would sound more so sound more like this, you know, like that kind of thing. Like when you're talking to someone over the phone, uh, this was like this was like recording the voice with all of the production, all of the post production that would have been done. It was it was baked in. We were doing it in real time and it was totally taking a page out of what the bad brains did with Sacred Love. And uh, that's how we got. So when you listen to when you listen to the the actor doing his lines, he did all of those lines over the phone. Uh, so if you're in a pinch and it's a phone part, there's nothing to say that you can't record it over the phone, as we've learned from HR and the bad brains. There you go. Let's go to a couple of comments. I saw one up here. Oh, Paul Seacrest. What's up, buddy? I haven't seen you in a while. Hope you're well. Eric, Eric, Eric's ready to smoke. There's a big conspiracy behind his program. I'm not sure the fitness guy is a D bag. What? I don't know who you're talking about. Prison could not stop him. Definitely not. Definitely not. Jails. Yeah. Jails now the phone time. Let's look at this comment. This, this one looks really snarky. This is from Al on Facebook. He says, Okay, ready? <laughs> I'm going to read this. Um, I'm going to uh, read this in a snarky kind of voice because this is how I imagine this dude. Sorry, Al, if this isn't how you sound. I'm really not making fun of you. I'm just, you know, making fun of you. Hold on. My brains are the most overrated band in punk and hardcore. Sure, I love the Ryer album, but Rock for Light was pretty much just a re-recording of it. I against I was good, but everything after that was just a step further downhill. I've seen them multiple times since the f- I first saw them in 89, and they were mostly always good. They just put out too much garbage and didn't cut it, but no one would dare admit it because it was the mighty bad brains. Okay, and that is your opinion. You are entitled to it. You've been listening to the bad brains a hell of a lot longer than I have. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you, man. Sorry, I guess. Sorry. You feel that way. <laughs> I agree. The bad brain should have been one of the biggest bands in the world. And I really, it upsets me that the bad brains are not in the rock and roll hall of fame. They should be. <laughs> um, I read that some fellow prisoners actually cried when they heard HR saying, wow, that's pretty, that's beautiful, man. Am I going to Riot Fest in 2022? Probably not. I I have to go to a film festival in September, and I don't think I will have the funds to do both, although they are right next to each other. And if I'm already, I'll be back in Winchester. Maybe I could just road trip from Winchester to Chicago and then fly back because I would love to see the the Misfits do Walk Among Us. That would be really fun winchester va is not far from nova dc yeah man so come come through come hang out at the almo we're gonna have a lot of a t- lot of fun uh i get uncomfortable when things on my body start to sag too. ha 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 hearty har har yeah it was it was an excellent idea um could have facetimed it yes mark we could have we didn't need to we didn't we just needed his voice and Um, this was in 2015, I think 2015 or 2016, and I've never owned a cell phone in my life. So I did not have FaceTime, I guess. Yeah, probably wouldn't have put in. We're we're laughing with Al. Exactly. We're just laughing with (laughs) beautiful interpretation of the snarky voice. (laughs) Yeah, I thought so. I, I thought so. The bad brains got your money though. Yeah, they sure did. They sure did. <laughs> I mean, listen, he's entitled to his opinion. I disagree. We all know that the bad brains have kind of fallen off because you know HR is not what he was, but they're still the bad brains and they're still great. Uh I've never listened to Into the Future, but I did listen to uh the what's the one that the Beastie Boy guy produced in 2007 it was eh, not mm, okay they haven't really i mean you, you really are just good with with some of those early albums but there's something to find i and i survive is a great song i like that song You know, I'd rather the bad brains always be, even if it's the bad brains now, like I never want the bad brains to stop recording music. Like, I always want them to be out there doing that thing. I know Dr. No was having some ailments a while back and he's doing a lot better. Those guys, they all live in upstate New York, like over by Woodstock. I think Daryl Jennifer lives up there and um, Dr. No, he lives up there, too. I don't know about uh, Earl Hudson, though, Um, and that's basically it. We have a, we're going to be attempting to do the streaming Evil Live show super early tomorrow at 3 p.m. EST. So check that out. And if you are a fan of Scream, the movie Scream, like the with Ghostface, uh, that's going to be streaming tomorrow night. That's not going to be live, that's pre recorded. And it's me and my friend uh, Mark Parker. We did his podcast called Release Date Rewind. And if you are into scream and want to like deep dive into how scream is really just a continuation or like very much like the nineties version of psycho, like, 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 um, uh, Hitchcock psycho, uh, definitely check that out. It's a really, really good conversation. And, you know, I had a lot of, a lot of like sort of like hot take theories about some of the, um, scream franchise. So if that's your bag, check that out. We, we we do a lot of different stuff on 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 this channel. <laughs> Seth Rogen prefers scary movie. You know, that's the original title of Scream. Um, I started to get into reggae because of the bad rings. That's awesome. Angus, you have to listen to Rasta. It's either Rasta or Charge. Now this is going to bother me. What the hell is the name of that HR album? Soul album. Uh, HR... H.R. Rasta, I think that's what it's called. Oh, that didn't work at all. Here, let's try that again. H.R. Rasta, dun 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 um that album is called charge it's called charge it's not called rasta rasta is a song on it but just check out the album charts from 1990 not 1991 that also was released on sst records i did not know that i wonder if hr ever got paid um who knows man yeah it is called charge right 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 and that has shame in the game why would why you gotta do a thing like that shaming the game (laughs) um thank you very much guys thank you so much for joining me if you if you like this channel we're always on here as you know please make sure to subscribe to the channel leave a like yes shame in the game why you gotta do a thing like that i can't remember how it goes um uh, shame in the game. Why you got to do a thing like that? Shame in the game. You hear Bradley Noel do it. He does like a duet with HR in that song. It's bad, dude. It's like bad isn't good. It's like bad, like the bad brains. Yeah. Uh, no, please, please subscribe. Please leave a comment and please like this video. Those are great ways to support this channel. Um, There are other ways to support this channel um mainly the patreon just various different ways please check all those out check out riotstickers.com thank you so much guys peace and hair grease here is our little spiel about uh patreon join it now hey guys what's going on it's jeff so i've decided to make a patreon what is patreon i don't know how to define a patreon let me look it up patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy For creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it going to be successful? I don't know. But I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just want to thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates, that subscribes. That's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents.